Don't discount your pain. You know, bad relationships, shitty jobs, bad bosses, like everything has is grooming you, has something to teach you. So really looking at life as like this experiment, you know, like we only have one life. And so all of these sort of little different corridors we're going down is, is leading us ultimately to somewhere. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. So today's guest is the amazing Ali Maz. She is a Canadian currently living in Brooklyn, New York City. She's the founder of Girl Van Yoga, a platform that elevates self-identifying teen girls through yoga, meditation, and real conversation. She was also the co-owner of the very popular yoga studio in Vancouver called The District. To top that all off, she is an author and a global Yoga Lululemon ambassador. She does it all. We talk about privilege, finding your passion, and how to deal with failure and the unknown. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm here with Ali Maz. So when I first thought of who I should have on my podcast, you came to mind right away. Coming from the North Shore myself, you are so well respected and loved in that community. Even though I never got to try a class at your yoga studio, the district, I had several friends from the Cove rave how amazing and powerful they were. I also found your story as a dancer so inspirational as I was a classically trained dancer for most of my life. That was my identity in high school, so when I left for university, I really felt lost on who I was. It seems to me that everything you've accomplished has all started around what you're passionate about, helping women come together and rise. So, please tell me, how did you get started? Did you go to university? Have you always known what you wanted to do? So many great questions. So, the way, I mean, like you, similar to you, grew up on the North Shore, um, was a competitive dancer, um, spent most of my high school life in and out of dance competitions, missing school, being there mostly half day. And for me as a teen, especially like 16 onward, there was no question that I was going to pursue my dance career. So university wasn't really in my um, in my path. It wasn't a goal of mine. I wanted to move to Los Angeles and um, become a professional dancer, which I did. So when I was 18, I moved to LA, signed with an agent and sort of began that life for myself. And I would say about two years into, year and a half into um, that lifestyle of, you know, auditioning and working in TV and film and um, dancing with a contemporary company, I just sort of felt like, um, the bubble had burst on that dream. It just felt like it was such a hard industry and I was pushing so hard, be it physically, mentally, emotionally. I was dealing with an eating disorder. Um, The rejection is so intense. And so um, I had never planned to quit dancing at that time, but I remember coming home from Vancouver after being in LA and um, my mom kind of saying, you know, let's take a little break for a bit. I was quite sick with pneumonia. I was hospitalized and I um, I just took some time. And so that put me at around age 19, 20, um, feeling like I had failed um, <laughs> with my life, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. And as you said, like my identity was dance and taking a break from it really made me realize how much um, I felt like I didn't have outside of my life as a dancer. And so the short kind of um, answer to that question is that's how I found yoga. I was so worried that I was going to lose flexibility and strength and my fitness level, but I I wasn't ready to get back into the dance studio. So I started doing yoga. 
um, and the rest is kind of history and we can get into, you know, how it led into my career. But um, I feel the one thing I really remember being, um, you know, 1920 was I felt like such a failure. And at that point, my friends were, you know, happily in college pursuing these great degrees. And I felt like I missed my chance to make something of myself that I felt really, um, yeah, alone, scared, fearful, depressed. That was kind of what I remember most about that time. Right. And was yoga um, popular back then? So how did you get into that? Yeah, um, not not for that age. I think, um, truthfully, I remember just being in Yelltown, like in downtown Vancouver, and I was just like these women were at the grocery store with their yoga mats, and I just thought they looked so um, calm and happy. And I knew there was a, there was a yoga studio sort of around that area. And so I thought, I don't know what, what made me do it. I just sort of thought, well, that looks like maybe something I want to try. Um, but I definitely, especially my first yoga teacher training, I was definitely like one of the younger ones by like 20 years. It wasn't, it was not trendy yet. It didn't feel that way. Like it wasn't like the cool thing to do. It was kind of the weird thing to do still. But it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> So then after that, so you got into yoga and then how did you come about with your business as well? Yeah. So I found yoga, like I said, it was probably around 1920. Those years are really blurred for me, (laughs) but it was around then. Um, And I fell in love with it. Like from the first class, it was like, okay, I'm still moving my body. I'm still expressing myself, but it's a different narrative. It was so much around honoring your body, listening to your body, not pushing past your edge, which actually is pretty counterintuitive to dancers. Um, and it just, I felt so good leaving that class and I, I felt like I was hooked. And so, um, within the first six months I did a yoga teacher training just cause I was so hungry to learn more. And at that point, I still thought I was I was moving back to LA. I was like, I remember calling my agent and saying, "Oh no, no, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to come back. Everything's fine." And then, um, and then something shifted. I just started teaching a little bit of yoga while I was teaching dance, and then it became more and more yoga, less less dance. And I just had no desire to go back to LA. And um, and so I founded my first company, Girl Vanna Yoga, when I was 24, and that came out of my um, desire to bring yoga to a younger generation. So Girl Vanna is yoga, meditation, and mentorship for teenage girls. And I just felt like if someone taught me um, the principles of yoga, how to breathe, how to connect, how to manage my anxiety, how to move through my depression, how to honor and love my body at like 14, um, so much of my life would have been different. So that's that's the inception of Girl Vanna was, was um, me at 24 years old. Wow, that's amazing. And you're still continuing with Girl Van Yoga? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so Girl Vanna has grown into um, a company where we have over 100 teachers licensed throughout the world teaching Girl Vanna. Um, I will publish a book next year, 2021, with Penguin Random House. That's that's the Girl Vanna book. Um, and yeah, we have trainings happening all over the world. We It's it's grown um, in, in ways I could never have imagined back then when I was teaching at a high school, um, you know, teaching yoga at a high school. So yeah, it's grown um, in many, many ways. Yeah, I was going to say, when you first started, was there a main goal? Did you ever want it to go completely global over 100 teachers? Or were you just expecting it to just be like you and a few other teachers, maybe? I think if I'm being honest, I I always knew that it was going to be a movement on some level. I think um, 
the intention of it is just so powerful. And I know that it felt really like um, a solution for young people struggling, you know, where um, I think at that age, especially, you know, with parents are going like, what do we do with our kids? And everyone's highly medicated or, you know, in therapy or, or self-medicating or, you know, it's such a confusing time. And I felt like yoga was like a real holistic solution for young people to, um, feel good and to know themselves and to be confident and to make the right decisions. And so, um, yeah, I think when I, when I first got my book deal, I remember I was sitting with the, one of the publisher, or he's the VP of publishing in Vancouver at Penguin Random House, Robert. Um, and I remember him saying, do you think this is a book? And I remember saying, yeah, like, you know, at the end of my career, I'd love to write this book. And he's like, well, what about now? And so it just sort of fell into my lap. Like I kind of always felt like it was going to happen at some point, but, um, not, not as soon as it did, I guess. Okay. And yeah, have you, have you always been like a writer? Has that always been in your background of skills or? Yeah. I mean, I was good at like English in high school, but I think that I was more, um, and I always have kept a journal. So my writing has always been a bit more like personal to me. Um, and so I think that writing this book has been a challenge because it's like someone reading all of your diary entries. That's what, that's what the process has felt like for me, but, um, I do really enjoy writing. Okay. Um, so yeah, after the Girl Van Yoga, did you find, found the district after that a little bit later on around the same time? Yeah, I did. It was probably like, um, about a year and a half, two years later I had found, um, so I was doing Girl Vanna programs like in a few local high schools in North Vancouver. Um, and my business partner, Gianne Pablico at the time was working also with youth and was, um, looking to start, what is called Varsity, which was a youth program, um, leadership program based around fitness. And so, um, you know, he was talking about it to a few people and then a few people were like, you need to meet Allie, you need to be Allie, you need to be Allie. And then finally came home, told his wife and his wife actually worked at a dance studio where I was doing a girl Vanna program. So it kind of was like, you know, finally we met, had a coffee and I started working, um, kind of doing the yoga portion of Varsity for him. Um, and then, we were kind of growing out of the spaces that we were using and there was a spot on Dollarton that was being built and the lease, um, we looked into the lease and said yes and kind of the rest is history. We wanted to create a space for young people after school to come together and, and move, whether that was yoga or fitness or, um, you know, different different things and um, it ended up being a full community space for five years and it was really an institution um, in North Van for for, um, you know, young people and adults alike. It was a really, really special place. Right. And just a question, because I know money, for example, can be, people find it awkward to talk about. So how did you find, how did you balance like financial gain and giving back to the community, for example, with your, um, with your entrepreneurship ventures or like knowing what you're worth, like money wise and oh, yeah. it's so hard. So I think for, I'll speak first with Girl Vanna, because that was my first kind of entrepreneurial endeavor. Um, and so when I started, it was really, really important that, um, that I was giving girls access to this and it wasn't just wealthy girls that had to be everyone. And so I kind of, and still often do Robin hood that business a lot. So I was doing these big contracts at Crofton house, which is a private all girls school that actually had budget to bring me into PE. Um, and so actually could, you know, pay my rent with that money. Um, and then was going to schools and in choices programs where there wasn't much budget for me to be there. And so that was really how I did it in the beginning in terms of district. I mean, 
running a, a business, a brick and mortar business, um, with a ton of overhead each month. I mean, we just weren't paying ourselves truthfully. So, so much of what we were doing was balancing running the studio and then running our own kind of adventures. So I was still leading yoga retreats and, and teaching elsewhere, um, in those early days when the studio, um, wasn't paying our bills. Um, and then I lead a girl van retreat every, every year as a summer retreat, like a sleepaway camp. Um, and that's where I get private funding, um, for girls who can't afford it. So I've always been really clear through my businesses, my, my entrepreneurial efforts that, um, I can still pay myself, but I'm still, um, giving access. Um, but it was challenging, especially in those early days. I was borrowing money from my parents or, um, you know, living as cheaply as I could, sleeping on people's couches. Like the early days were not pretty um, and not easy. That is for sure. Yeah. Where did you, did you just learn kind of on the job, like how to run these businesses or (laughs) how did you, (laughs) how did you come up, like face these challenges? Because that often happens with um, like new businesses. So how did, yeah, how did you deal with that? Um, I think that there, uh, I'll speak from myself. I don't know what it is for anyone else. This is my lived experience, but um, I just think that there has to be a certain amount of naivety going into it because I think if I would have known, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> you know, I had all my friends that have business degrees, you know, when I was like struggling, you know, auditioning for like Usher in LA, they were like getting their business degree. Uh, but none of them have ever used it really in that sense where, you know, here I was like no degree two businesses, trying to write a book. Um, there's a certain level of winging it. Um, I've had a lot of help. My mom is a really incredible businesswoman and incredible with numbers and still works for Girlvana and does our bookkeeping. And so I had a lot of support through her. Um, but I think so much of what I learned was like just on my own, doing my own research and then hiring the right people. Um, I think it's really important to stay connected to your strengths. I think in the business, when we were, you know, best in our business, we were doing what we loved most and then paying people to do the other part of it. And the other part for us was administrative and financial. And we were really great at the teaching, the community building, um, the vision of the studio. So as soon as we had some money in our pockets, it went to paying people um, that could really help us run the studio versus us um, being so bogged down with the administrative that we weren't able to be in our gifts. And I mean, that's why you start a business is because it's your passion. I mean, at least that's, that's for me. I never went into it thinking, Oh, I'm going to make so much money. It was like, I'm going to go into this and hopefully change people's lives. And that has remained my, my sort of guiding light in business always. That's lovely. Yeah. And you're also a global um, Lululemon ambassador. So if you could tell me a bit about that and that, what's your, what are you, what's your day to day or does that really change? <laughs> yes. I mean, my day to day is so different. Um, but I'm a global ambassador for, uh, Lululemon and that came about, um, I started off as a store ambassador, um, at Park Royal in West Vancouver, which meant I, you know, my, my picture was up on the wall. Um, you get a gift card and you basically do some community events and they come and support you within the community. And it's, it's, it's great. Um, there's probably, I think over 2000 store ambassadors around, around, um, 
maybe the globe or North America. Um, global ambassadorship is different. So it's a paid gig, which we love to hear it. And it is, um, there's about seven of us, I think now, and we get to travel the world teaching yoga and, and, um, it's a pretty exceptional thing. Um, I love what I love about it is I'm, I'm contracted to do, um, around four or five events per year, but I, 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 um, have a salary for that. So it, it allows me to take the pressure off from, you know, running around teaching around the city. I have a little bit of time. Um, so I, I love that. It's, it's a great company to work for. I feel really valued, really loved, and I get to do lots of really cool things with them. Um, and in terms of my day to day, it's so different. I live in Brooklyn, New York now. Um, Right now, I'm in the deep, sort of deeper edits of my book. And so after we get off this call, I'll sit and look at my edits. Um, I'm producing some merch right now for my business. So I'm like, okaying designs for t-shirts. Um, and then I'll just get into like the day-to-day administrative stuff of running my life. Um, so that's kind of what today looks like. But um, it's all over the place um, for me right now anyways. That's fantastic. Do you so do you consider this kind of like the dream job, the job that you've always wanted, or? I think that I didn't understand that a job like this could exist. I think at that time, you know, I sort of saw myself. The path I saw for myself was like being a backup dancer, and then when I was, you know, and then getting too old to dance <laughs> around thirty, and which is a reality, um, and then shifting into, you know choreographing or I don't know. I don't really know. I couldn't really see far beyond, you know, I was so tunnel vision with that one dream. So for me, I think now the work that I do is actually all the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to inspire. I wanted to have a global platform on some level. This is, you know, when I thought I wanted to be a dancer. So I actually still am living out those dreams just in a different way. So I think part of my advice for young people when they're trying to carve out what they want to do is like stay connected to the things that really light you up. It might not be the thing you thought you wanted, um, but it could end up really feeling the same. So um, I'm really grateful that I still nurtured all of those things that made me feel really good. um, And they've ended up becoming becoming my life. So how would you, how do you continuously improve? Like if you feel like, have you ever felt like, oh, I'm at the peak of what I'm exactly I'm supposed to do? And um, do you still challenge yourself every day? And yeah, how do you get outside your comfort zone? Yeah, I mean, moving to New York was a big one. I think that, <laughs> you know, it's like in some, I think towards the end of my 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 time in Vancouver after the studio and everything I had done there, um, it kind of felt like, okay, what what's next? And um, whereas when I got to New York, it was like, you're such a small fish and such a big pond. And so I feel incredibly challenged here. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's just important to keep putting yourself into those challenging places. I say yes, still a lot to things that really scare me, that really force me to step up to the plate. Um, but I think as an entrepreneur, there really isn't a comfort zone because, you know, it's, it's always going to be a risk somehow, you know, um, it's, it's hard to actually feel comfortable. I think, um, I've never really felt that comfortable being an entrepreneur. It's always, it's always a risk. It's always scary, but, um, yeah, I think saying yes to things that scare you is a big one. Um, and then, you know, constantly being around people that, that inspire and challenge you, you know, my network is people that I look up to versus people that I, I feel like look up to me, you know, I like to just sort of stay humble within that zone and just kind of learn from, from people that have a lot to teach me. Yeah, that's great. And what, what do you find is the most difficult 
aspect um, of your job, of your day-to-day or? Hmm, a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think sometimes time management because there's no, you don't have a boss. You don't have anyone that's telling you what you have to do. So there's a lot of discipline involved. You know, yeah, no one's saying, okay, now it's time to sit down and edit. It's time to do this. I really have to be self-motivated. So that can um, sometimes prove prove challenging. Um, and then because I feel very, you know, creative, I love to teach. Like I love the teaching portion. I love being, you know, the bigger events that I get to do, um, you know, being on stage. There's so many elements that that sort of fill, fulfill my creative performer. Um, so I don't always love the sit down at a computer administrative aspect and, and, and the money aspect. I mean, so much of it is, is, um, negotiating contracts and, you know, trying to stand up for what you feel like you're worth and back and forth. And that's not my favorite part, but, um, it's, it's a necessary part of the job. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people in my position, like post university, I graduated last summer. Um, I've always been told to find a job that you love, find a job that you love. But there's a few things that that I find that I'm passionate about that will get me right out of bed. So I know that for you, probably yoga and exactly what you do, like you want to get right out of bed and you want to get to it. But for people who haven't really found that yet, um, what would you recommend? Would you recommend still doing a job that you kind of like, but you're still unsure? Or would you just an overall recommendation of trying new things? Yeah, I think for me, um, within this conversation, there is a level of, uh, you know, identifying privilege. I think that there's, you know, saying, oh, well, just, you know, go do exactly what you love. I mean, not everyone can do that because the reality is you have to pay your bills, you know. And I I think that um, sometimes it's 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 a little bit blasé to say, you know, just like leap and the net will appear. And it's like maybe if your parents have money <laughs> or maybe if, you know, so there's that conversation is, is I think, important is just to recognize that not everyone has the ability just to kind of leap, you know. Um, and there's been times in my life where I have had that ability in times where I haven't. And so, you know, I, I think that, um, taking a job to pay your bills is, is important. I think it's important to make money and to make sure that your foundation is covered so that you can live and that you can eat and that you can pay off your student loans or whatever it is that you need to do. But then finding your passion on, you know, exploring things that light you up on, um, in the off hours. I mean, I, I taught, I, I mean, I was a hostess for a long time at Joe Forte's. I taught a bunch of yoga classes corporately that I absolutely hated doing. So there's a lot of things that I hated doing that paid my bills so that I could, you know, start to teach a little bit on the side. Like Girlvana was a side hustle for a really long time. It wasn't my, my full business. And I don't even consider it truly my full business right now. You know, my full business is Lululemon. My full business is, is teaching, you know, adult retreats. Girlvana still, still is like a passion project, you know? So I think that whatever I can do to pay my bills to, so I can keep fulfilling that purpose, that's enough for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think within that conversation is like, just keep trying to discover what lights you up and don't, don't push aside. Like for me, what lit me up was journaling. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I love to journal. I didn't think that was going to be a career, but here I am. Like I lead retreats all around journal prompts and I'll, you know, every, at the end of every chapter of my book is, is journaling and journal prompts. And, you know, I'll probably produce the girl van and journal after the book comes out. And so it's funny where some of your passions that feel like that could never be a job, like might actually come to fruition. So so don't discount what lights you up, um, but pay your bills, get your bills paid for sure. <laughs> and then when you pay, you 
know, when you can save up some money and then have a bit of a safety net there, then then maybe there's there's time to take take a leap. But you know, not everyone has the ability to do that. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Did you have any mentors um, through your journey or through growing up? Um, I did. I had, I mean, growing up, I had my dance teachers, which maybe is something that feels connected to you, but my dance teachers weren't always great mentors, if that makes sense. I saw them as my mentor. Um, but now looking back, I'm like, Ooh, they weren't always the greatest, you know? Um, I didn't always feel valued. I didn't always feel heard. I didn't always feel seen. Um, and so kind of not having such great mentors really made me want to be an amazing mentor. And that's a big part of why girl Vanna is so important to me. Um, but I think that, you know, I had a few people, I wouldn't say that it was like close, close mentors, but a few people that were guiding lights in my life that really showed me um, that something else was possible. And and then I, later in life, I have a, a spiritual mentor that I, I um, really heavily rely on and she's older in her like late sixties or seventies. And so, um, you know, I, I go to her with, with things that I feel confused about or, you know, just sort of as a life mentor for sure. And my mom is a big mentor of mine as well. And, um, where would you, where do you see yourself maybe in like the next few years, next five or 10 years, do you see yourself with another book? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm starting to, to look at that vision a little more. I think that when we closed the studio in North Van, um, I, I, well, I moved to Nicaragua, actually, this is a side story, but I met my husband three and a half years ago in Nicaragua when I was there leading a retreat for Lululemon. The rest is sort of history. We were in a big long distance relationship. And so when I, when, you know, it was time to close the studio, um, I actually moved to Nicaragua and then we ended up moving to New York. Um, but I think the last few years have just been this like wild ride of like closing that business, coming here. I've immigrated to the United States. There's like so much going on. So it's been hard for me to like figure out what's next when you're so needing to be in the future or sorry, needing to be in the present because it's so intense. Um, but I think for me in the next five years, I would love to, to, to write the follow-up book to Girl Vanna. I, the same work I do with teens is, is the same work I do with women and I lead Lady Vanna retreats and, and programs. And so I'd love to write sort of the grown up version of the Girlvana book about, um, you know, kind of about this generation, like this age around like your twenties and finding yourself. Cause I think teenage years are hard and then your twenties are even more confusing arguably because you know, like, <laughs> all of a sudden you have to be an adult and, and everyone expects you to be one. And it's just, you're navigating money, you're navigating relationship, you're navigating, um, Oh, like who you want to be in the world. You're, you're navigating your old high school friends and your new college friends. And oh, it's just, it's confusing. And so I think that would be my next book. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's definitely like a very confusing time. That's a, it's exactly the reason why I started this podcast because I not only want to hear other people's stories of like how they did it or um, how they found their way, but just to share their stories with other people because a lot of people in my community, in my circle, they're all in different spots of the world and positions, but everyone just feels the same. Like everyone kind of feels lost. Like I feel like they don't teach you that in university. Maybe that's something you need to learn. In university, maybe it's something through experiences, but yeah, you're expected to do all these things and act like an adult. adult. I don't, yeah, I still don't know what I want to do. And totally. that can be scary. It is scary. There's so much pressure. Uh, figure it out. And I think, um, 
I, I like I said to you, I remember feeling at, you know, 19, 20, that age, like I felt like a failure. It's like, well, now what? Everything I said I was going to do, I didn't, I didn't do it. I can't do it. Um, and I think that, uh, something that was really begun to be this guiding light for me really was purpose, what I felt passionate about doing and, and really trusting the universe. And I know that to a lot of people that sounds really kind of like, you know, woo woo or, or, or trite. But for me, it was like, okay, if I was really supposed to dance and really supposed to do this, um, then I would be, but every time I turn a corner, there's another roadblock for me and it doesn't feel good anymore. And so I really trusted that if it wasn't supposed to be that it was going to be something else. And, you know, in the inception of Girlvana, um, I really had this big moment and it was a big breakdown. Like, I mean, that my twenties was like a breakdown central, but I was sort of bawling my eyes out, like kind of hitting my knees and going, what I know now is praying, but it didn't feel like praying. It didn't feel religious because I'm not a religious person, but it was like, okay, universe, if it's not that, what is it? Like, I was really like desperate, like, what is it? And, um, you know, girl, Vanna then sort of kind of moved through me. It was like, go back to your younger self. Like what, what are the tools you would have given her? And then it was like, oh my God, I've been doing yoga for three, four years now. I'm teaching it. It doesn't, it's fun, but it's not great. You know, what am I supposed to be doing? And then it was just like all of a sudden in like a rush of like, okay, it's actually been right in front of my face this whole time. But, you know, it took me all these different roads to kind of get there and it continues to evolve. So like to answer your question in the next five years, I think it's just sort of the evolution of this work. Um, and then also now at 33, I'm 33, um, right? I think, yeah, I'm 33. It's weird when you turn 30, you forget how old you are. Um, but I want to live a more balanced lifestyle because I've worked my ass off, you know, like doing all this has not been easy. And so I want to have a little bit more um, time to enjoy my life. Completely fair, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of just a question to like wrap it up. So um, yeah, what kind of piece of advice would you give yeah, to your younger self or just like anyone out there struggling what they want, like figuring out what they want to do. Um, just like any overall recommendations that could be books, that could be podcasts, or do you have like a vision board or do you do practice manifestation? Yeah, so much of that. I think, um, I think the one thing I want to say just to be clear is like, there is no, it's not a linear path, right? I think growing up, as teenagers, we're sort of fed this, like, you graduate, you get good grades, you go to university, then you get a good job, and then you find a partner, and then you get married. It's like, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it does. I have friends that it they have taken a more linear path, but for me, it was not linear. It was, like, all over the place. Um, but I see now that all of those experiences actually were grooming me for the bigger purpose. And so, again, it kind of goes back to, like, don't discount your your hobbies, your passion, what lights you up, but also dis- don't discount your pain, you know, bad relationships, shitty jobs, bad bosses, like everything has, is grooming you, has something to teach you. So really looking at life as like this experiment, you know, like we only have one life. And so all of these sort of little different corridors we're going down is, is leading us ultimately to somewhere. So that would be my first thing is like, you know, there's not like 10 steps to happiness. It doesn't always happen that way. So just trust the process of your life. That's a big one. Um, and as I said, I love journaling and I do a lot of writing. And so for me, writing down um, 
you know, my vision and goals has really helped me to get really clear. So often what I'll do when I mentor a lot of people and make them do this as well, um, just write down a snapshot, the day, day in a life of, of you, and you can pick the timeline. It could be a year from now. It could be 10 years from now, but you know, where are you waking up? What, where do you go to work? Who's around you? How do you feel? What's present? What do you see? I really think that, that, um, that, action of, of manifesting in that way can be really important. And so here I am in New York City. I don't know how I got here, but when I look around, there are elements in my life, like the community that I have, the type of work that I get to do that I've written down for years. I just didn't know how it was going to happen, <laughs> but it's happened in some some level. So writing is a big one for me. Um, I mean, I'm staring at my vision board right now. I do a vision board at the top of, of the year for sure. Um, but I think focusing on less about what you want to get, but how you want to feel. So I always knew that I wanted to feel um, inspirational. I always knew that I wanted to have an impact. I knew that I wanted to feel brave. I knew that I wanted um, to prioritize love and joy. Um, so I could be do I could be an accountant and do that. I don't know. It, it could look different. So just focusing less on what the goal is and actually how you want to feel within your life, because we know like money doesn't buy happiness and success doesn't necessarily mean, mean joy. So focusing more on, on what do you, how you want to feel? What kind of person do you want to be? And that was Ali Maz. You can find her on Instagram at Ali Maz and make sure to keep an eye out on her upcoming book. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in.